I told Brother Tim I didn't know I was going to get to be in a preacher sandwich today. <laughs> right in the middle between two of my favorite preachers. And usually the middle of the sandwich is not as thick, so I'll try to be, I'll try to be brief. I appreciate the good words, Brother Neil. You know, when I first started coming to Bethlehem and first started exercising, it was a pretty common practice. Back then, Brother Neil was already exercising, and it was pretty common for me to maybe take five or ten minutes to introduce and the services, and then Brother Neil would preach, and then Brother Tim would follow him and preach. But uh, I think it's been a long time since we've all three been together again. I was ordained with Brother Neil, so he's always uh, very special to me in the labors that we had early on together. If you remember uh, the last several last several Sundays that I preached to you, we've been talking about the different types of salvation, and I'm certainly not going to review all those, but I thought it was important that we, uh, you know, we always say as Primitive Baptists that um, there are things that people will tell you will save you and they put an eternal application on it and we try to make the point that that doesn't save you in eternity it saves you in this life but sometimes we don't follow through with that and explain exactly how those things save you in this life because they're vitally important to understand those things and we talked uh, initially the very first time about um, on an eternal uh, in an eternal realm and a salvation from the wrath of God in eternity is only an act of grace. The Bible tells us that, that it has nothing to do with our works, any action on our part. And we discussed that in a great detail. But on this side of heaven, as we live, you know, the three score and ten or whatever, however many years we have in this life, there uh, are many things that the Bible will tell, tells us that save us, right? We talked about um, on this side of heaven, we talked about how uh, repentance saves you. Uh, definitely from the, the ultimate end consequence of sin in this life. And there are people today that if they would, you know, cut the computer off and cut their phone off and quit dabbling in pornography, they will save their marriage, right? If they will just stop those things and run from them and turn around and change the way they think, they'll save themselves from that sin carrying them to a ruined marriage, right? We also talked last week, uh, we, we started to mention, uh, mention uh, confession. The Bible does tell us that there is a salvation, not only in repentance, but there is a salvation that we experience with confession. And we've mentioned that there were, uh, as far as I can find, three avenues of confession. Two are, uh, two are vertical and one is horizontal, right? We talked last week about how confessing our sins to the Lord, the Bible says, he that uh, forsaketh and confesseth his sins shall have mercy. And we talked about how sometimes just getting on our knees and acknowledging to the Lord that we have wronged him, that we have stepped outside of his standard, just to acknowledge that from the Lord causes an outpouring of mercy to come from him. Right. Uh, we used the example of the boys in the box they were supposed to burn, if you remember that, and how they forgot to burn the box. And when I sat down and called them on it, uh, ready to hand down some sort of you know uh, strict judgment on them for, for not only... Uh, for, for not doing what I told them to do, they hung their heads and with a fallen countenance said, Dad, we just forgot and we are sorry. Well, they just confessed to me. They didn't try to make excuses and they found mercy in my sight, right? And in the same way, the Lord, uh, was, you know, it was, it was such a joyful thing for me to be able to apply mercy to that situation. And I think in the same way, the Lord is joyful to apply mercy to us. Uh, confession is a wonderful thing because a person that confesses is having the mind of Christ, right? You can't confess unless you are admitting that God has a standard and that is the standard we should follow. So every time we confess to the Lord, 
we're saying to the Lord, I submit to that standard, right? It's a wonderful thing to confess. Today, very briefly, I wanted to talk about the second application of confession, and that's the horizontal one. That's the one that goes this way. James, the fifth chapter, in the 16th verse, it tells us to confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. One thing that I uh, like to do on occasion is sometimes if, I, if there's a verse that's on my mind, uh, like this one, confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. Sometimes I'll just go Google that. And I'll say, what does it mean to confess your faults one to another? And you'll get as many answers as you can possibly get. It's hilarious some of the answers you get. Uh, obviously, one of the answers that, that I came across uh, <laughs> dealt with uh, going to your brother and basically just laying bare everything that you've ever done wrong. And let me assure you, that is not what we're talking about, right? Okay, I do not need Brother Jim to call me every Tuesday at 6 o'clock with a list of everything he's done wrong from the previous Tuesday at 6 o'clock, okay? And you don't want me to do that because if you confessed everything to me and I confessed everything to you, we wouldn't probably be friends, right? I'd be like, I'd tell my kids, stay away from that person. And you'd be telling your kids to stay away from me. The, you know, and, and there are certain denominations that they don't believe that way. Right? They believe that you go and uh, periodically and you confess all, everything you've done to a person, to a man, to a person you are referencing as father. But the Bible says to call no man father. Right? Because right? we have one father. Now, obviously, we're not talking biologically here. But I'm not to go to Brother Tim and call him Father Tim and confess everything that I've ever done in hopes that he can relay that to the Lord and I can be forgiven. That's right? right? Confessing our faults one to another deals with my offenses towards you and your offenses towards me. Right. You understand? Now, it's a shame that we have to do that, but we're fallen, corrupt human beings. And the truth, the nasty, ugly truth of it is, is that if you hang around me long enough, I am going to offend you. I'm going to do it. And if you hang around me long enough, you're going to do it to me. And sadly... The state of our nation that we live in is conditioning and training all of us to be victims. Right. It's training all of us to be easily offended, as the Bible says, to make every man an offender for a word, right? Yeah. Used to be sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. We flushed that one down the toilet. And we make a man an offender for everything, right? right. And so today, confession is so vital, right? Because what does it say? Confess your faults one to another. Why? That ye may be healed. Amen. Now listen. Which one of us goes out and cuts our hand and leave it unaddressed? Every one of us, if we go have a nasty cut in our hand or our arm or anywhere else or any other type of wound, we dress it, right? We address it and we dress it. We clean it. Uh, we put whatever ointments on it we need. We bandage it up because we want it to get better. We want it to be fixed. We don't want to walk around with scars all over us. So every time we have some situation like that with a physical wound, we try to heal it. Well, listen, band-aids and neosporin and stitches don't do anything for the spiritual offenses. Right. You see, the Bible says that death and life from the power of the tongue, right? And he that loveth it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you love to slay people with your tongue, you will eat the fruit of it. Right. It will come back to get you, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and he that loves them shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, all of us, 
And Brother Neil alluded to this briefly. We all carry swords, right? I want you to imagine we carry swords. Some of those swords are very sharp. Some are not so sharp. Uh, for example, I had a lady one time. You, you'll think, I mean, if I wasn't there, I'd think I was lying, right? I had a lady come up to me. I preached a sermon one time, maybe six or seven years ago. And after the sermon was over, the lady came up to me and she called me over in the corner of the church and, and, was, and, and said, I just want you to know that not one single person in this church benefited from anything you said. You know, I'm not kidding. And she was probably right, right? <laughs> Look, didn't bother me at all because her sword wasn't sharp. I didn't have a relationship with that woman. I didn't know who she was. Didn't bother me in the least. But if she would have said it, if Tiffany would have told me that, I probably would have never got back up in the pulpit again because that's the sharp, sharpest sword in my life, Right? Some of the second sharpest swords in my life are you all. Because Tiffany, Tiffany's sword is sharp because we're very close. Your swords are sharp because we all are very close. Right? And Tiffany has a great responsibility to make sure that sharp sword stays in the sheath. Right? But we inadvertently will bring those out sometimes and wound each other. Right? I can remember one time... Uh, when I was young, my dad and I were cleaning the deer and, um, he was holding part of it back and he said, now, now, now don't cut my finger. Right. And some reason when he said that is like, I was like, I was so afraid to cut his finger. I just stuck it right in his finger, <laughs> you know, like I was trying to go in and clean the deer, but I was like, don't cut his <laughs> I didn't mean to do it, but I inadvertently wounded him, right? And we do the same thing with the swords of our tongue and the swords of our actions. We can wound each other and we don't even realize it, right? Now, you may be saying, well, I've never done anything to wound you. This is a sobering thought and it's a biblical truth here and I'm going to read it to you. In the book of Ecclesiastes, you ever heard the phrase, a little birdie told me? You ever heard that? Yeah. How'd you find out about that? Well, a little birdie told me. Do you know that's biblical? Yeah. Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter, verse 20, it says, Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber behind closed doors. Listen to this. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. One good lesson I learned from my dad is this. If you don't want it told, don't tell it. Do you realize, I like what Brother Tim says sometimes about roast preacher. Do you realize when you roast preacher around your dinner table, that has a strange way of getting back to the preacher, and you never know that he knows? Hmm? Maybe you've slung that sword and you don't even realize you wounded somebody because you thought they never heard it, right? What about when you talk about your boss or your coworker? That bird has a strange way of carrying that sword to them and wounding them. We all have wounded one another, have we not? And if I hadn't wounded you yet, just give me enough time. Sometimes I can be a little careless with my sword, right? 
What's the point of all this? How, if confession doesn't save you in eternity, how does it save you in this life? Brothers and sisters, there is nothing sweeter than when you're carrying around an infected, a deep spiritual wound inflicted on, by, inflicted on you by somebody that loves you dearly, that you love dearly, for them to come and say, listen, I was wrong. And what I did hurt you. And I am sorry. Brothers and sisters, that is putting salve on the spiritual wounds of the body. Are you with me? Amen. It's hard to do that. One of, the thing, one of the things about our spiritual nature is we don't want to admit we're wrong. But let me, let me give you this. To not confess those things is to continue to walk in the gall of bitterness and to see relationships broken and grow further and further and further apart. How many examples do you know, do I know, of maybe a parent and a child who had some sort of fallen out or brothers and sisters that had some sort of fallen out and go 20 years with not even speaking to one another. As that 20 years goes on, that wound just gets more and more infected. But we know examples too of when those two come back together and they get on their faces in front of each other and say, I was wrong. And probably, I'm not going to say all of them, but I'm going to say the vast majority of conflicts that we have in our life both parties have some confessing that need to be done. It's not always the other person, right? But when you see that confession applied, you begin to see the healing begin, right? Do you think confession, confessing our faults one to another saves us? Absolutely. Let me give you one example here before I close. Luke 15, one of my favorite accounts in the Bible, everybody's heard of it, the prodigal son, right? <clears throat> the prodigal son went to his father, basically said, I wish you were dead. I want all my inheritance now. He went off. He spent all his inheritance on everything that he shouldn't have spent it on. He blew it. He probably came, uh, spent it on things that we won't even mention from the pulpit. He comes back, decides I'm going to go back to my father. Now, when he left, and you know that the father was getting word about what his son was doing, right? Do you think that that son wounded his father? Absolutely. I can tell you, I can tell you just as a father, if one of my children came and asked me for their portion of their inheritance and went and spent it on all the sinful things in life and were gone from us, I would grieve constantly. My heart would ache constantly. I would be wounded to the point of death. But the father looks up one day and, and, and when the son uh, comes to his senses, and it says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Pause. Hit the pause button. Father looks up. He's finally coming back. I've got this heavy heart. I'm at the point of death. The son comes up. The father runs to him and fell on his neck and he's kissing him. Now, this situation can go one of two ways. What if... He would have run and kissed his son and the son stepped back and said, hey, old man, I'm out of money. I need some more money. Do you think that would have healed that father's heart? Absolutely not. It would have just took that wound and went deeper and deeper with it. What fixed that relationship? It wasn't him coming back. 
It was him coming back and confessing. And he says this. And it says, he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned not only against heaven, but in thy sight. Says the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. Can you feel that father's wound start to heal? I can. Because I said as a father, if I looked up and saw my child coming back, I would run to them. But if they said, hey, I just need some more money, I'm out. Nothing really changes. But to hear that child say, I have done wrong against heaven and I've done wrong against you. That starts to bring healing. And in in this case, I think an extremely rapid, almost instantaneous healing. Because you see what the father did from that point on. He began to celebrate and kill the fatted calf and put a robe on and all these wonderful things. But it all hinged on confessing his fault to his father so the healing could start. Confession, confessing of your sins to God will not get you into heaven. Because it's grace that gets you there. Confessing your faults one to another won't get you to heaven because it's grace that gets you there. But confessing our faults one to another will save you from a lifetime of bitterness and a lifetime of broken relationships. And as a church body as close as as ours is and with the swords as sharp as we have them, we have got to be careful how we wield them, but we've got to be extra, extra quick to confess it when we have inadvertently or on purpose hurt somebody. Because without it, we will never continue in church peace. And I think that's salvation. Right? I hope that's been profitable to you. And please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.